I'm Joseph. I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Okay. It's our 99th episode. Oh, wow. Uh, unfortunately, the 100th episode will probably be not that special <laughs> because wow. we won't be here. So we have to like pre-record something. Oh, is that next weekend? Isn't it? Or no. am I off? I think you're off. I'm off. So so scratch that. We will be in town oh, for the, the episode. For the, I bi- still don't, the bicentennial. For the, but I don't know how special it'll be. Well, it'll be special if you're here. Oh, likewise. So it'll be super special. Yeah. Uh, happy birthday to Liza Minnelli. Oh, how old is she now? Oh, shit. How old is she? Well, while I figure that out, can you uh, name some films of hers you like? Uh, well, Cabaret, of course. Tell Me That You Love Me, Junie Moon, uh, which well, she had a contentious shoot with Otto Preminger because her mother died while that was being made, of course. And then uh, The Sterile Cuckoo, if you've never seen it, but I, I, I directed by, I believe, Alan J. Pakula, is very interesting. Liza turned 77 today. Wow. I, I, I would have thought she's like 87. So, Oh, boy. Okay. Well, she's been rickety for a while. Sh- sure. But uh, I think that's due to like drug use i think mm-hmm. right Isn't yeah she, she had some she had her fun i guess uh i also you don't remember it uh, apparently but arthur uh with dudley moore is good uh i was highly entertained by rent-a-cop uh, which she plays a Burt Reynolds with Burt Reynolds in which she plays a prostitute and they are supposed to be in love oh boy i remember you watching it it's it's fun i, I would actually rewatch that with people but um yeah she has an interesting film history but you like cabaret yes but i like the um the guy the My, most. you like michael york yes or joel gray who's the one who's like uh the mc of the cabaret joel gray i thought he was very who won his oscar for that and you know who, oh you know who his father is or uh, his daughter is the lady from dirty dancing jennifer yeah and apparently he came out as gay in so he's burning in hell right recent now. Recent history. Um, no. Is he dead? Is that where I'm destined for? Uh, well, probably not just for that, but yeah. Um, <laughs> You're right. So Robert Townsend gave an interview. He's a notable director uh-huh. who's done films like... Hollywood Shuffle. Uh, did he do Cooley High or he's in Cooley High? Michael Schultz did Cooley High. Why do I keep wanting to put Cooley High on Robert Townsend? I don't know, but Criterion recently released Hollywood Shuffle. Well, also, he, he did BAPS. Yes. So the reason I'm bringing him up is because he gave an interview where he said that um, many people over the years, like female celebrities have said how much the film means to them, particularly black female um, celebrities. And then he talked about how much of a backlash the film had when it came out. and But that so many black female celebrities have told him what the film meant to them and also that they would love to do a remake specifically he said that megan the stallion and cardi b said that they will do my god like separately so of course there's no i mean there there's nothing in the works for this and but i was just thinking what would that movie be like with cardi b and megan the stallion i think megan the stallion would be great i definitely have more faith in megan the stallion's ability to pull it off (laughs) yeah well cardi would just be herself although cardi is in hustlers and she Mm. yeah she's okay but that felt like uh what's the stunt casting the biggest issue with cardi is her diction she's 
unintelligible like 50% of the time. So it's not very pleasant. In short, you know, clips like on social media, it's fine. Listening to her music, I always feel like the worst, like I like many of her songs, mm -hmm. but I'm, I like, I always wish she, like she was just more clear. But a good screenwriter could play that up. Oh, that she has a speech impediment. Yeah, yeah, sure. That that, yeah. that could be uh, a nice dress made for her, or she uh, could play someone who's mute. No, <laughs> no, somebody could tailor that specifically for her and her abilities because she is funny. And uh, yeah, I think I'd, I'd see Megan The Stallion as the Halle Berry. I remember people being upset about them. I remember Roger Ebert gave that a terrible review, mm. um, and specifically saying that somebody should should have told Martin Landau he was in a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's funny about it i think so too it's yeah, kind of charming is that he's being very serious um and you know townsend also directed another favorite uh jackie's back jackie's back jackie's back entendre we need well jack i i think jackie washington day is in Mar when is jackie washington day? i don't remember because that's when the pod here and another favorite of yours that we've watched relatively frequently holiday hard <gasps> okay well for the holidays we need to do an episode for holiday heart we also a jackie washington day is on july 15th so we definitely have to do a podcast episode okay um during that time for jackie's back i think that movie is so fun <laughs> yes um i've never seen carmen a hip hopra, by the way with fiance Knowles. <laughs> that was 2001 yeah i've never seen that he did that too have i told my story about beyonce and fiance I mean, I know that story. Well, since people seem to like my old stories. So I had a friend when I, back when I worked in the casino and VIP services who would kind of always like con me into doing things. Oh, this man pulled stunts. Yeah, I felt kind of used. But anyway, one time he's like, I, I, I need a limo to be sent to the airport and I need you to book a suite for Mike Epps. And I know, and this is, you know, 20 plus years ago like it's like I, like I know who Mike Epps is and he was doing a comedy show at the casino I worked in so my initial thought was like what well, and my friend who was always pulling these shenanigans worked for like a theater production company so his company would bring shows to venues in Vegas so it wasn't uncommon that he would do things similar to this story but He's like, yeah, I need a limo and a suite. And my first thought is always, well, why don't you go through the entertainment department? Like if he's performing at our venue, there should be a contract that stipulates like what accommodations he's getting. But of course there was always some raggedy shit happening in the background. And he's like, no, no, there's no time. Like, can you just, and I'm like, no, I, like I can't, <laughs> I like it's too obvious. Like this person who's performing in our casino like people are going to wonder where is he staying and then they're going to look and see that like i gave him a free suite no like it's probably part of his contract that he gets x dollar amount towards accommodation anyway my friend tells me well he's traveling with beyonce and i'm like what yeah so if, like if, if you get the limo we can go and you can meet beyonce and then it'll bring them back so then, of course, I'm like, well, if I can meet Beyonce, I mean, maybe I can do it because I could do it. So for days. And he knew that. Yeah. And this is like for two or three days that he's like, OK, like, is everything set? Blah, 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 blah. So the day comes. It's like a Saturday morning. You know, I, I have the limo ordered. We go and Mike Epps shows up like, you know, we pick him up at the airport. This is before um, 
we had to, uh, there was less security at the airport. So he has a woman with him Mm -hmm. and they, you know, we greet them, they get in the limo and I'm still waiting outside of the limo. Like, okay, like how long are we waiting for Beyonce? Like, is she waiting for her bags? I don't know. And my friend's like, oh no, that's it. And I'm like, I, I thought you said Beyonce was coming. And he's like, Beyonce? No, I said his fiance. Mm. Bitch, what I tell you, and stupid me, stories like I, I have many, many more that happened after that. <laughs> so I guess I'm gullah, gullah, gullible island, but oh, I hated that show. Um, yeah, if, you know, in a perfect world, don't you wish you could go back and, you know, slap the shit out of somebody and be like, I'm never speaking to you again because you played me. But I, you know, just for my own sanity, I think that that three year period of my life was very interesting because we got, I have a million crazy stories about the things the two of us got into that I could tell. But so I, I kind of feel like it adds to the tapestry of my life and like, it was a very interesting period. And I think it's probably why I'm so cynical today. Like I just don't trust mm-hmm. the things people say. Cause it's like, everyone's lying all the time anyway, but moving on, we received a question about, and I didn't know anything about this. I'd be surprised if you do. Someone asked if we think Tiger Woods should get the money or Tiger Woods' ex-girlfriend should get the money she's asking for. Do you know anything about this? No, th- this isn't that white Swedish lady he was married to. No, that's his ex-wife. Um, okay, so no. there's an ex-girlfriend and he, money. He had a girlfriend who he started dating back in 2017, and then apparently they've been broken up since October, and she's suing him, I believe, for like 30 or $40 million. So I think the question is related to like, should he owe her money because they were in a long-term relationship but of course i wanted to read more about this lawsuit so there are actually two lawsuits happening Mm -hmm. one is she's suing him to break the nda she signed because of course anyone who interacts with a celebrity has to sign an nda a non-disclosure agreement Mm -hmm. so that you know they won't tell all their business so she wants to break the NDA because apparently there's a law that says you can break an NDA if it relates to like sexual assault or abuse. Okay. So of course that makes it really juicy. Sure. Like, well, so is that why she's doing it? Because he did something to her. And of course his people are saying they don't because this will just give her an opportunity to share intimate details that of course Tiger Woods does not want out. But the money part of it is that she says that he promised her that she could stay in one of his homes um for like a a period of time i don't remember it's like one or five years something like that after they separated that she could stay live there but he told her you need to leave but this was just a verbal agreement so she's suing for this 30 40 million and then apparently this is in the home that he has in jupiter island like that super fancy area in florida apparently because of like rent renter landlord laws mm-hmm. like she's not being evicted properly <laughs> so there's something involved with that but anyway like i guess like a hot take on that uh i would say you know sexual abuse or assault is one thing so who knows you know we can't we don't know the details can't speak to that but as far as getting the money this sounds like you know this sounds like a gold digger move, but uh, also you didn't put a ring on it. You didn't 
do something legally binding that says that you get this money. It doesn't yeah. matter how much time you put it, put into it. Like th- that, that is the law. So if that is the game you were playing, that is what that lady should have done, gone through to get, to get that house or that money. I That's what I think. I feel like if two people make a promise to one another, I, I do feel like your words should have value, but the reality is like in a court of law, they don't. In, in most cases, un- unless it's in writing and there's, there's a signature and a notary involved, like you could say anything, but I do feel like I'm sure, you know, people say a lot of things when they're in love or in lust. And so, but it also seems like girl, you knew what you were doing. She's a younger woman. She's beautiful. Tiger Woods looks like, <laughs> I mean, he's super rich and famous. Uh, right. And you knew what you were doing. And there's already an automatic vulnerability you with knew him you... because of past scandals. Right. Uh, I mean, you, she. it sounds like somebody that knows what she's doing. And also, or no, do... I, or, or she doesn't know what she's doing. Like, you signed an NDA, girl. You know, like, if you wanted stuff, you should have had him buy you things in your name and set up a, an account and a trust for you to make you feel secure. I mean, I don't know these people, so I'm just talking out of the side of my ass. But what I did want to say is this is why when because even like a lot of gay people like to say like they don't believe in marriage, they don't want to get married. It's not for them. That's fine. You don't have to get married. But to me, you're not going to have me laid up in this house for five years playing married. You know, being in a relationship really affects who you are as an individual, right? Like all of a sudden it's like I'm half a person because I'm giving up half or more of myself to build this life together with someone else and then you just think one day you're going to tell me like you're done Mm -hmm. no absolutely not i wasted all this time with you i didn't you know like personal growth was limited because i was putting that energy into you and you're telling me all. well that's one way to look at it yeah no but 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 it's not just a stymieing thing no but but, well but 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 it can be sure if you think like this person made all these promises and had all these intentions and then it's so easy there are a lot of people out there who've been in relation because there are laws right like common law law but i'm saying like there's this period between like three and five years where a lot of people are together and then it just dissolves and it's like if you ask me i feel like i'm not playing games we're not going to be laid up in this house for several many years and there's nothing to keep us together like it except maybe the lease we signed together on this apartment. And then once that lease is up, or how the, many gay couple, I'm just talking about gay couples. Or the dog. Those are the most people I know usually, or have been. Like how many gay couples have you known who once the lease is up, they break up? Mm-hmm. Like literally their apartment lease was the only thing keeping them together. Well, and we talk about LA as a city all the time where uh, the price and living situations kind of causes some of these relationships to to keep going so this situation with tiger woods and this lady is hard like i don't know the details i'm i'm also not worth hundreds of millions of dollars so it's a very like it's in a stratosphere i don't relate to so i don't know what to say except that for us regular people i don't know you can't let people play with your time and your money and your heart and your personal growth and development like if you enter a relationship what is the purpose? I don't know why he doesn't, Tiger Woods doesn't have a better system for how to deal with women at this point in his life after the things he's gone through of being like, okay, it didn't work out. Here's 10 million leave. Or, you know, everyone <laughs> likes to give me a side eye when I talk about like how, if like, if I were like, like basically if I were like him, I would hire prostitutes, but it's like, to me, that's the smart thing to do. Have a situation with a woman that has a contract and you're, 
you know, obviously prostitution is illegal in most areas, but you could set up something where it's like, here's the agreement for every year we're together. You get 3 million. Kind of like what's the name of Janet Jackson? Yeah. Something like that. And then it's like, like everything's on the open. We don't have to play these games. You don't have to start recording all our conversations. You know, people do weird shit as like mm. uh, backup in case. That's crazy. Yeah. And a contract, like marriage is a contract. So there, I'm not saying you have to get married to have an understanding. You can have contracts. You can. But have- who, again, who knows? Maybe he likes some weird kinky stuff that he feels he can't do with the sex worker. I don't know. But. Uh, well, I, I mean, those people are professionals. They, they are, but you know, <laughs> people like to to have control and play games. And yeah, play- but you have them sign an NDA. You have an agreement. I I, I think a lot of people enter situation, and I'm talking about regular people. Like, you work customer service, and I'm like, you know, a bank manager, and you think like, oh, being with me, like you can live with me, and I'm gonna pay all the bills, and you get to just be cute, and then it's like five years later you didn't do any personal development you had goals of going back to college and finishing but you didn't because you're laid up in my house i feel like that's a very common thing Mm -hmm. because i can think of a lot of people i've known who've done that like you literally wasted five years just being laid up under this person and now you have literally nothing to show for it except maybe like hpv i don't know but anyway (laughs) there are some sorry to this man entries there are so last week when we talked about Trey Edwards and Schultz film with The Weeknd and Jenna Ortega, I had said that I saw an article that the film was being called torture porn, but apparently I was mixing up two different projects. The oh. project that's being criticized for being torture porn is The Weeknd's upcoming HBO show with the Euphoria creator Sam Levinson called The Idol. Oh, Sam so, Levinson, you know, who did Malcolm and Marie, actually, son of Barry, whose uh, first film I actually quite like. Also, a few weeks back, we mentioned that Mean Girls is being turned into a Broadway musical, which isn't quite accurate. It was actually turned into a Broadway musical in 2016, 2017, and that Broadway musical is now being turned into a film. Okay. So, well, that's, that's sure. Okay. Um, we skipped a step in the evolution. Well, you know, I, 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 I do appreciate accuracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though I don't remember anything. Sure. Um, film re- films released we didn't cover. Chang Can Dunk. Mm-hmm. I think this was a Disney Plus release. I think you had expressed your interest in this was like, I'm not driving to see that, but uh, we had a screener that we didn't watch. And I still didn't watch it. Uh, well, we watched a lot of other things. Uh, directed by, I think, directorial debut of Jingyi Shao, uh, about a kid named Chang that can play basketball. Uh, that's all I really know about it, but. Next, Confession. Oh, God. This look, it's directed by an actor turned director, Dana Hansen. And. I don't even know what it, I, I looked at what it was about and then immediately it left my mind. It didn't sound that interesting, but it, and it looked a little, it, it, it looked like it might be a fun B, C, D movie night, but we didn't, we didn't get around to it. B, C, D. I, yeah, I don't know. The, the, the poster art's giving me D, but the, the log line could be a B. I don't know. Okay. Noted. Projects of interest. Duh. D, A. Understudy. Which, if you know, uh, that automatically should get set off Spike Lee bells in your head. The Understudy is a new project. It sounds kind of like a horror film that Spike Lee is going to direct and he's going to reunite with Jonathan Majors, who is in The Five Bloods. Yes. All right, we need to take a quick break. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. There were a lot of movies watched for fun. Mm-hmm. First, Last Night of Amore. Uh, this was a hangover from uh, the Berlinale I had a screener for that I finally caught up with, uh, directed by Andrea De Stefano, who's a very handsome actor turned director. He wrote, uh, or he wrote his debut was that Escobar Paradise Lost with Benicio del Toro but he had a new movie that was in Berlin called Last Night of Amore which is kind of a police procedural thriller about this grizzled grizzled cop on his last night before retirement and of course a ton of shit goes wrong because he's also doing dirty things as well but it stars Pier Francisco Favino who is an actor I also really like Um, but that was entertaining I yeah I didn't review it but I enjoyed it well enough we finished Goodfellas. At my insistence, I finally got you to watch the last hour and 15 minutes of that epic. Uh, it's a well put together film. But like I said before, it's just unlikable characters that I wasn't interested in visiting. So we had turned it off initially because I think I was just tired and I didn't like these people. And then it took a long time to finish it. But it is very well done. The story is well put together oh yeah i think it's a very good it's an excellent film but yeah of course these people are terrible it's just you know the other thing that i think bothers me about it is i know people talk about it and people hold in such high regard and a lot of like i feel like a lot of people who have this like hustle and grind whatever mentality like sort of mm, like worship characters like this and I really don't respect that at all. I, I really hate this idea of like, I'm a chump because I did all the things I was supposed to do. Yeah, of course. Like I got my education, I got a career, I got married, I bought a house. Like I, I, I have my, you know, 401k. Like I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do and somehow I'm a chump because I'm not a boss or I don't, you know, run my own business. And then it's like, there are so many people out here who, like the characters in this movie, Goodfellas, who... <laughs> I don't want to live being afraid of what could happen at any moment. Well, I don't... I, you know, it also shows that th- there's a high cost uh, to t- t- these lives as well. And then for what? You can't even live free. No, you can't. But they don't. Re- nobody's thinking about that. So what power and control do you actually have when you can't even? I, I don't want to be duck- like tucked away in some villa in Italy where I like I can never leave and I have bodyguards watching me where and, the law enforcement want to get you and everybody that you used to associate with wants to kill you for that whatever sounds reason. like a nightmare because it, it, it is that but, sounds like just i mean like that's how i feel about i don't ever want to be so famous that i can't do anything but scorsese is saying that with the film as well i think it's just yes yeah, so it, so it's a very well done it, it's very good storytelling yeah and yes. I, I think ray liotta is great joe pesci of course i think lorraine brocco gives a fantastic performance as ray liotta's wife um I forgot all about that scene where he kills Michael Imperioli. Joe Pesci just shoots him to death. You know, there's just Joe Pesci's such a villain. Oh, he's <laughs> but he does a very good job. He's so good. He's so nasty, and it's so weird to think that this was the same year as Home Alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it really, I have a, a hunger to rewatch Casino. Well, then watching back 
behind the scenes stories of Home Alone and how difficult it was to get Joe Pesci to not be vulgar. Right. Like, <laughs> it's very entertaining to me. Okay. So, our Scream 6 review is not coming, uh, it's not being published until tomorrow because at the request of Paramount. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, saving spoilers until after the opening weekend, which we are abiding to. Yeah, I, I think that, tre- you know, that trend should be saved for something worthwhile, but whatever. But you decided to watch all of the Scream films. Uh, so uh, the previous week you watched one and two, and then this past week you watched three, four, and five. Mm-hmm. With And you uh, watched And I did as me. well. So, I mean, we talk about it in the Scream 6 review a, a little bit, but I mean, I'm sure you'll agree. They all feel like the same movie. Uh, yes, I, th- I think there's a difference between what the Wes Craven quadrilogy and the last two. There's a different kind of feeling, but everything's really still the same. Yeah, a famous person gets killed in the be- the, the opening. Then the bulk of the film is just these people wearing ghost face masks killing and everyone trying to piece together who's doing it. And then in the end, there's the reveal. Mm-hmm. And the reveal is always someone involved in the group. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that's all six movies. Well, I think Scream 5... I think opens with Jenny Ortega getting knifed, who's not really a famous sure, person by sure. then. But but yeah, and uh, you know, Parker Posey is I think a lot of fun in Scream Three, but she can only do so much because that movie was ridiculous, and I didn't. Uh, it, it, they were just hard. They're hard to. Get They're not the worst movies, and I and I and I do appreciate that for a friend, like a horror franchise. I do think Scream is on the more clever end of keeping everything sort of. Um, like connecting all the dots throughout the franchise. So I do appreciate that. I just don't need to watch the same movie basically like six times over. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there aren't a lot of moments in any of the films that I was like really entertained. And it's like for the, the legacy characters, there's like absolutely no character development across five, six films that they're Courtney Cox decide that besides the changing shape of her face and her hair it, there's nothing different about that character. At, yeah. At so all. Courtney Cox is the main legacy character because she's in all of them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, we don't really know anything about her and she's the same in every movie. And then, yeah, I just, I, I think the mistake of this franchise, from my opinion, is trying to maintain these legacy characters. I wish they would have just like every movie make it about copycat killers mm-hmm. and they make it like an actual thriller that's super gory and creepy. Mm-hmm. But this shit is like almost like comedy horror, except the jokes aren't funny. The, the jokes aren't funny. It's not smart enough. I, I, but I do appreciate that people like it. And I could see myself being entertained like maybe the first two times. Mm-hmm. But after that, like with this current one, it was just too much. Because the current film is referencing the previous five. Yeah. Like literally there's a scene where someone has a whiteboard up and is explaining to another character all the different killings from the previous films, which they're not calling films, they're actual murders, but yeah. No. Well, there's literally someone gets stabbed and it's like fuck this franchise and it's like, well, okay. <laughs> it's like supposed to be like self-aware, but to me it's a little too basic. Yeah. In it, its it, self-reference, it, but it, yes, it, it's like uh dare I say, watching people photograph their food for Instagram. But I also like really dumb shit on, like, I mean... It's okay to like dumb basic shit. I'm entertained by thrillers on BET+. Plus. Like, Mm -hmm. so I'm not trying to act like whatever. I just think that these movies feel like they're all the same. 
and I, I guess I would want something more. But anyway, you watched two Leslie. I did. I caught up uh, just in time because today is the Oscars. Oh, I didn't even mention that. Yes, yeah. today is the Oscars. And her, what her uh, miracle Oscar nomination. Uh, yeah, it's a great performance. Really, it is. Uh, do I think she deserves an Oscar nomination? I, she's a phenomenal actress. I, well, I, people ask that we're going to talk about the nominations, but we already made a video where you gave all of your did, opinions. Yeah. So there's no need to redo it. No, no. Uh, I do, you know, think that I'm happier to see her here than little white Michelle Williams, get that Oscar nod for the Fablemans, which somebody should be punished for uh, making that happen. But uh, yeah, I don't know. She, she does a great job as a, a, an alcoholic that is given a second, third, fourth, 15th opportunity, uh, thanks to a love interest with Mark Marin and Alison Janney. I like her little supporting role who I think looks great in it. Uh, But if we're talking like white ladies who played alcoholics this year, that deserve some fucking attention. Sigourney Weaver in the good house was eight, the, the, whatever i don't know I, i'm just so frustrated at the oscars i don't like that i love that you've had your own oscar campaign for sigourney weaver all year <laughs> i have somebody has to because this shit's ridiculous because apparently uh you know since i'm not jennifer aniston i can't tweet that uh ask people to pay attention to andrea riseborough and to leslie i do like that it felt like the films we'd see women get in the 70s and 80s it this felt like this could have been made in 1973 starring marcia mason and i would have liked it as well i again she does a great job it's just it's another it's just another really good example of all the shit that we just neglect because there's no one out there uh blowing a whistle for it and if jennifer aniston and charlize nicole kidman had all wanted to tweet about danielle deadweiler until that bitch might have got an oscar nomination that she deserved okay well we've already talked about anyway this, so we can move anyway, on. anyway to leslie it was fine uh you watched something called suburbia yes i'm also catching up on parker posey movies that i haven't seen before uh for i guess reasons we'll discuss later but uh yes this was <laughs> directed by richard linklater which i've I, very familiar with his filmography and had never seen this. Uh, I didn't quite like it, but it was it's based on a play by Eric Bogosian, uh, who you know from the film Marriage, Uncut Gems, and uh, but is probably best known for starring in Oliver Stone's talk radio, which you know I've never seen. But uh, Parker has a supporting role in this. Uh, it's based on the room. You, you were. Point? Yeah. Steve, hmm. Steve Zahn is in it. Uh, a lot of other very fresh-faced people from the 90s. Remember Nikki Cat? Uh, Gosh, we're having a hard time remembering. It, I didn't, it's about these losers that hang outside. Oh, and Giovanni Rabisi. Uh, oh, yes, because we see him naked. Yes. I remember that. He gets naked for no apparent reason. We also have a friend that's been trying hard to get us to rewatch The Other Sister. Who's trying to make us watch that? Bo. With uh, Juliette Lewis and Giovanni Rabisi, where they play mentally challenged lovers. <gasps> oh, I by, think I recall that. Directed by Gary Marshall. I would watch that. I haven't seen that since it came out. I remember Juliette being very sweet. <laughs> oh, my it. God. Do you see this poster? Yes. <laughs> I, my memory as a 13-year-old was that she was very sweet in it. but um, And Giovanni Rabisi is very distracting. But anyway, Suburbia... Uh, yeah. Uh, you watched, continuing with your Raquel Welch uh, string of 
uh, viewings. You watched One Million Years BC. I did. I'd never seen it. Um, of course, I was a child, loved Ray Harryhausen special effects films. And I guess I understand why my parents didn't think it was appropriate for me to watch this. Because of all the butt cheek? Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe my mom just didn't. Maybe my mom didn't like Raquel. I don't know. Um, but this is from the director of Jason and the Argonauts, which I remember renting from the public library many times on VHS. And uh, this movie is more entertaining than 65 with Adam Driver. I watched it. It was a double feature. That was a good double feature. 65 and this uh, Raquel, who they made a blonde, who I don't think should be blonde. Very beautiful and buxom. It also is a bit dull. Uh you know, for no other reason, the special effects are fun. The special effects are fun. And it, what's more realistic than 65 is like you have all these, you know, prehistoric men and women that are communicating in ways that probably would be more uh, on, on point. <laughs> than, than like what we saw in 65. <laughs> kind of like screaming, screaming and yelling and may, maybe and, knowing names and yeah. uh, having a hard time getting that across. Also, so Don Chaffee also directed another childhood favorite, Pete's Dragon, the original. Oh, anyway. You watched 100 Rifles? Um, yes. And because uh, Raquel was in a bunch of Westerns, which I find so interesting. Oh, is that with um, Burt Reynolds? Burt Reynolds oh. playing uh, a half native american he looks so crispy in this movie and he's only how old 33 oh my god but he i thought he was very handsome this is why y'all need to stay out of the sun he looks so crispy he does but uh jim brown who's at the same age also looks okay jim brown is it's weird because his skin is flawless yes and he's he's clean he's sharp as a tech mm -hmm. but that man, if you told me he was 53, I would have said, okay. <laughs> I think people just used to look a little more mature than... I don't know what happened, because I agree. I think... Because if you think about Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman, she was like 23. It's so weird, because I feel like we often see older films and think, God, they look old. But nowadays, I think people look old. It's not... I don't think it's... 30-year-old gay men, to me, could look either 18 or 50. I don't think it's about looking old. It's about how you the comportment how you carry yourself like uh, julia roberts in that pretty woman movie always comes to mind because it's like she carried herself as this this adult with baggage really even mm. though i don't like that movie which like a 23 year old now that they don't have that that air about them uh, sure. many times but sure but yeah uh bert and jim both very handsome both looked a lot older than I thought would have guessed them to be. But this was directed by Tom Grease. Uh, it's set in 1912, Sonora, Mexico. Uh, well, a character says that, like, Bert looks Mexican. Yes, and he's, uh, it's Fernando Lamas. And and then he says, Sounds like, I'm not, ain't no goddamn Mexican. No goddamn but then it's like, he looks very similar to uh, Lamas. Lamas, but the thing L is Lamas. because of his skin his tan but the mex the mexicans are also the ones that are murdering his people well half is the yaqui indian so that's why he seems racist against mexicans uh and of course raquel is sarita who is uh, supposedly a hundred percent indigenous and, and her accent her accent is no gouda uh she looks fantastic she gets to be a little bit more than eye candy which i do appreciate but she's still mostly eye candy yeah. and uh i think what's more interesting the film feels very dull it but it's 1969 there's a sex scene with jim brown and raquel which was very much ahead of its time i want to say that's probably most likely why this wasn't 
uh, a hit at the time. Uh, there are a lot of weird back stories about what was happening on the set. I think a lot of it was like, I think she was jealous of the attention both men received. Uh, I think she had sexual tension with both. She didn't get along with Bert, even though they did other movies like Fuzz in 1972. Uh, it, I want to believe the story about Bert um, getting upset at there not being a black stuntman for Jim Brown and hiring oh, one yeah. out of his pocket because the studio refused to because he said, you know, times have changed. Uh, because what they wanted to do was hire a white stuntman for Jim Brown and put him, and in, black put him in blackface. And Bert said, no, if you're not going to hire one, I'll pay for it. Yeah, that's the story. That's the story. So, yeah, um, hopefully that's I mean, it's sad that it had to be true, but it, it's a nice thing to think Burt Reynolds did. But, and you know, Reynolds all, always claimed kind of like uh, Elizabeth What's-Her-Face about to have some indigenous heritage somewhere. I think he said he was like part Cherokee, which was never um, substantiated. But he played a Native American a couple times, including in, if you haven't seen it, um, Navajo Joe is entertaining. Moving on, something called Elsewhere. Uh, another Parker Posey film from 2019, uh, directed by Hernan Jimenez, who I believe is Costa Rican. Uh, it stars a man named Aiden Young, who I didn't quite care for, but he was kind of on a continuum. He looked like he, he was somewhere between uh, Mark Hamill and uh, Aaron Paul uh, in his screen presence. What's his name? Aiden Young. But he looked different, I think, than his IMDb, IMDb picture. But uh, really great supporting cast, uh, including Jackie Weaver as his mom and Ken Jeong as his bestie. Uh, kind of annoying film though and parker's cute in it and she's the romantic lead but i didn't really care for it laws of attraction this movie's trash this movie's absolute trash i hated this movie uh i remember when it came out in 2004 i and i didn't i don't know why i saw it i never saw it because i was such a julianne moore fan uh she has no chemistry with pierce brosnan francis fisher's playing her mother who's only eight years older and you can tell francis fisher looks fantastic in this movie and why are they having her play julianne's mom anyway it's about these two superstar lawyers who fall in unlucky in love i guess and, and apparently there's a whole news cycle devoted to uh the personal lives of lawyers <sighs> this movie was so stupid and then they have to take a trip to ireland because they're both re representing um opposing forces in this this high profile divorce between michael sheen who's this green day looking rock star and parker posey who's this designer We're, i'm looking at the poster for elsewhere look at jackie weaver's wig is jackie weaver looks like the mushroom uh from <laughs> from, <laughs> from mario brothers. super mario brothers yeah parker posey looks crazy but this actor um Aiden Young, he looks like a lot of people, actually. He, he does. Oh, and I forgot Bo Bridges is his dad. Has nothing to do in that movie. Uh, yeah, Jackie Weaver looks insane in it. But Anyway, we need to keep him moving. Anyway, but Laws of Attraction, and they go to Ireland. It's It, it was demeaning to actually everyone involved. It, it was directed by Peter Howitt. This was trash. Okay, we watched Major Pain oh, with Damon Wayans. Oh, my God. <laughs> directed by Nick Castle. Ah. Uh... What does I don't even know what to say about it. What you had a good comment about uh it's like he's doing a Betty Davis impression. <laughs> yeah, it's like Damon Wayans trying to do Betty Davis. Uh I know you said it's based on a like like it's a remake. It's a of. it's a loose remake of a nineteen fifty-five film starring Charlton Heston called The Private Life of Major Benson or something. Okay. Which I've never seen. We laughed a lot. I did. Damon Wayans is funny. Very. Okay. 
But Karen Parsons, who we should all know from uh, not only the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but she's in a film uh, we're going to talk about in a second. <laughs> I think yeah. it might be one of her original roles. We actually had a Karen Parsons double feature. We had a Karen Parsons double feature. But anyway, there's a romance between Karen Parsons and Damon Wayans characters that makes absolutely no sense. The story, the last 20 minutes falls all the way apart. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think this could have been a really solid comedy, but it ends in such a stupid, predictable way. Yep. But um, I would say it's worth your time because i giggled a lot damon wayans is talking to these kids oh and then so he's like he's like a general or a, like a colonel lieutenant something major in the, in major and oh major pain yeah oh no because he's promoted to lieutenant yeah. or something he is a major in the marines and then he just loses his job they're like we're downsizing you don't have a job which sounds so weird mm -hmm. but then he gets a job at some private school doing like rotc and these kids range in age from six years old to a very handsome guy who looks like he's 30. Uh, but you said he's 20. He's 20, yeah. That made no sense to me. But the way he's the way Major Payne is talking to these kids is so funny. So I'd recommend it. But the double feature was with a uh, movie. And you forget Orlando Brown was the six-year-old. Oh, the little six-year-old is Orlando Brown, who people know from That's So Raven, um, mm -hmm. who has serious mental health issues. Have yes. you ever watched interviews with him? No, but I know he's in Dr. Phil. He has made all kinds of crazy comments, talking about he has proof of p diddy being gay that he had sex with nick cannon he's oh. just talking real loose he you know he got a tattoo of raven simone on his neck and face like, oh yeah you can see it i think he also had problems with math he has know. very serious issues and it's 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 sad to watch him mm -hmm. but he was a cute kid but after we watched major pain we put on death spa which is from 1989 nah i think 88 but it didn't come out till 90 oh can you can can you try to tell the story of uh uh it's about a a gym a, a health spa in los angeles in the late 80s that's literally killing the people that attend it and it's heavily populated because it's haunted it is haunted by but the the woman that used to be married to the owner had a miscarriage or some dead baby situation and lit herself on fire and she is now haunting him through the apparatus of the gym but also her twin brother who's this young homosexual played by a man that died of aids like a year later and uh, she is uh, using his body to also wreak havoc on the gym owner well because the other part of it is that the law enforcement who are investigating these murders believe that it's this gym is supposed to be high tech so yeah. there's software that controls all the machinery. Mm -hmm. It's so stupid. And so they think that maybe it's the software killing people, but it's really the spirit of this dead woman. But the 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 thing about this movie that's so strange is that it feels like serious. It almost feels like an episode of like like NYPD Blue. Yes. Like, well, because you have Rosalind Cash. Because you have serious people in the it. The sergeant that's investigating. And she's there when uh, the diving board... <laughs> goes that she just happens to be on site karen parsons is one is is plays one of the hotties in the gym so does vanessa bell calloway who looks amazing as mm -hmm. well uh and then ken forey from dawn of the dead is also a uh employee at the gym i have to, okay so i have we only have a few minutes but i have to talk about a movie that i hope you've seen it's called gang related is that with tupac with tupac and jim belushi directed by jim koof i own that i've never watched it though let me tell you something I would watch it again. This movie is in 
Same. I have asked you to watch that many times over the past years, and you're like, I don't want to watch that. Well, see, the problem is you don't like, you know, I have to discover things on my own. Uh huh. And if I don't, it's like you don't sell things to me in a way that's interesting. But you had never seen it, so you wouldn't have known, like how fucking crazy this movie is. That I'm literally going to take the time to tell you what it's about. Jim Belushi and Tupac play undercover cops who are corrupt as hell. Okay. So they are like robbing. So they're supposed to be like investigating gang crimes, drug crimes, but they're corrupt. So they like weasel money out of people and then kill them. So in this city they're in, there are all these like mysterious killings, but no one cares because it's all like druggies mm -hmm. and whatever gang members. So one day they kill someone as per usual. And we find out the person they kill was another undercover cop working for the feds. So now it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they're freaking out. What are we going to do? Well, we, we have to pin it on someone because the feds are, are now like they're hovering over, like the DEA is hovering over this. I, I don't know if it's NYPD, whatever. So these fools decide to pin it on some bum, like just some random bum they found, but there is a montage of them trying to pin the murder on other people and the way they're doing it is they just bring in random thugs and throw a gun at them and then the person catches the gun and they're like this is not my gun i've never seen it and they're like oh funny you well that that's funny because your fingerprints are all over it and they do it like four times and then they realize they can't pin it on anyone because each of them has an alibi like one of them was like well i was in jail that night mm -hmm. or the other guy was like well i was in the icu because i had appendicitis or something but anyway, they pin it on a bum who I did not recognize until halfway through the movie is Dennis Quaid <laughs> because they have him looking like a full on hobo. Like he's covered in hair. He's dirty and greasy. We find out Dennis Quaid is a billionaire who basically became an alcoholic and went crazy because his wife and kids died as the result of a car accident, which was the result of the wife leaving the house angry because he was having an affair with one of his nurses because Dennis Quaid plays a surgeon. But before Dennis Quaid was a surgeon, he is the son of some tech magnate. Mm -hmm. So Dennis Quaid is worth over a billion dollars, mm -hmm. but he didn't want to be involved in the business. So he went to medical school. But then after his wife and kids died, he fled off to Africa and everyone assumed he had died. So for the past seven years, he's been this homeless guy living on the side of the building Leela Rashawn lives in. Oh, yeah. And she is stunning. And I have to give compliments because her wig is laid, which is so funny to me that a movie from 1997, like her wig looks so good. We can't get it together on BET Plus in 2023. Right. <laughs> but anyway, so one day. So they're pinning it on him and Jim Belushi is like kind of having an affair with Leela Rashawn. So he tells her, listen, I need you to do something. This bum killed an undercover cop. I need you to just point him out in a lineup. And she's weird about it because she says, well, I recognize him. He's the bum who lives next to my building. I don't want to do it. They force her to do it. But then shit blows up because then all of a sudden we switch to a scene in this beautiful mansion with James Earl Jones reading the newspaper and he sees a picture of the bomb and he's like, Oh my God, this is this missing billionaire. But no one knew because he, the Dennis Quaid's character is like a drunk 
who can't remember anything. So they call him John Doe. So then James Earl Jones is now the lawyer for Dennis Quaid in this court case. And it all blows up. Are you telling the whole movie? Yes. Okay. Cause that, or do you want to see it? I would, I, well, I've been wanting to see this for years. It, oh, it, it's so crazy. It's actually sitting in a stack. There of are things more, that I pull out. For so, you so I won't finish it then, but there are more, like there are a couple more twists that are just crazy. And I, I would definitely watch it again. Well, I'll remember them if you tell if you spoil it. I won't spoil it. I won't spoil it for everyone. But I've, I just try to tell you, like this movie is so crazy, and the and it has other cool people in it too. Um, yeah, I would I would definitely watch it again. I, my mind was blown with what was going on in this movie, but we need to take a break and then we can get to the secret film. Unfortunately, there are entries in the obituary section. Well, just one. Someone named Topol. Someone named Topol for the the star of Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, oh, I did see that actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, and he. I mean, he was in a. Uh, we've also seen Flash Gordon from 1980, which he's in. Flash Gordon. Mm-hmm. Which I used to get told I looked like Max von Sydow in that film with his. Uh, his particular. Uh, Facial hair. Oh, we did watch that movie mm-hmm. um, with Sam J. Jones as Flash Gordon um, and Timothy Dalton. Yes, uh, he's also in a, a Bond film. <laughs> yes, now I remember. It's very like sci-fi. Yes, yes, yes. And, and kind of silly. Uh, and who directed that? Mike Hodges or something? Uh, yeah, he he died. He really hasn't been in stuff since the nineties, the film-wise. But uh, yeah, Fiddler on the Roof. I haven't watched that since I was a kid. Okay, our secret movie today. So we're doing that DSM podcast. Mm-hmm. So we we were asked to choose a film, but we gave them several options. Mm-hmm. And so a selection has been made, which I guess we'll keep a secret. But one of the options what, that we provided was the 1998 romantic comedy film Woo, W-O-O. It's directed by a lady named Daisy V.S. Mayer. Daisy Von Schurler Meyer. Yep, this is her second Meyer. film. Her debut was Party Girl, starring Parker Posey in 1995. It stars Jada Pinkett Smith as Wu and then uh, Tommy Davidson. Mm-hmm. What? So this movie is horribly reviewed. Like it, like lots of negative reviews, low scores on everything. I didn't think it was that bad. I thought this was kind of. I, this is an overused term, but kind of a batshit crazy romantic comedy uh, that almost works in some regards and then definitely does not in others. But it is not, it's not deserving of such uh, disparagement, but it also so out there. I don't I feel like people watching this in 1998 were like, what? What am I watching? I agree. I laughed a lot. And I like that it feels crazy because the main character is supposed to, I mean, literally, they keep saying she's crazy. I think what hobbles it is, while I think Jada Pinkett Smith does a good job of seeming like crazy and I just, we can get into it, but I didn't love her in this role. I didn't either, but uh, who's apparently suffering from something called fine-itis and everybody else has been afflicted, just jumps on board with believing that she has fine-itis, but. Well, let's get in. Well, we're. The story is very simple. Yeah. Tommy Davidson plays like kind of a nerdy paralegal. He has a group of male friends. They're all pigs. Like they talk about women in such a disrespectful Mm -hmm. way. All they want is bitches, bitches, bitches. But they're all like professional men. And one day, 
Dave Chappelle and his girlfriend, played by Paula J. Parker, mm -hmm. are supposed to be having like a night together when Wu shows up to see her friend Paula J. Parker. Her, I think her cousin. Or her cousin, played by Jada Pinkett Smith. So Dave Chappelle's like, we need to get Jada out of here because I want to spend time with Paula. Because Paula's cycle has ended. So now so she, they can have sex without her getting pregnant. So they can have unprotected sex and not work. <laughs> I mean, we need okay. to talk about it. But it's important to know that that night before Jada shows up at Paula's place, she visits her friend Celestial, mm -hmm. who is this trans woman who is credited as a character named Girl Lena. But this person is actually Lena Bradford, who's kind of a, a very notable DJ. DJ. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so celestial it, it is a trans woman in the movie and she's jada's good friend mm -hmm. and she's a psychic so she predicts that jada is going to meet the love of her life like soon and that person like 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 the main feature of this man is that he's going to be a virgo mm -hmm. okay so dave Chappelle wants to get jada out of the house so he calls his friend tommy davidson and says hey can you take this girl out tonight because we need some alone time they get on the phone and Jada's being all crazy. And, but then she goes, when's your birthday? September something. Oh, you're a Virgo. Okay. Bet. Let's go on a date. Mm -hmm. So the entire movie is their night out, which kind of reminds me of that movie with, uh, Tina Fey and, uh, the guy, Steve Carell date night. Well, cause it's like one night where sure. it's kind of crazy. I mean, it's a very familiar yes, setup. Yes. And then in the end, after all these shenanigans, it would appear that they've fallen in love. So it's very basic. Very yes, and in that regard, it's very basic. But oh, the Odyssey getting there is okay. The first thing I said, and you said it too, is when we the opening scene is Jada walking down the street. Mm -hmm. Jada Pinkett is a very nice looking lady. I agree. Yes, I don't think that she has finitis or she's inducing it on, on, well, on anyone. Not in that wig, but in her wig, it's very Nutty Professor. It's it, like they trimmed the Nutty Professor wig. It looks like they took her Nutty Professor wig and gave it like a, because in Nutty Professor, I believe it's a center part. Mm -hmm. They do kind of a side part and they give her these wispy bangs. Mm -hmm. I hate her hair so much. I don't know why they didn't give her a short pixie a la her normal hairstyle or something like Halle Berry. Right. But I mean, think if you think to me, she looked like something that could have been in a TLC music video of the time. She looked that hair. I hate it so much. And then she's the tiniest little thing. Mm -hmm. But anyway, the opening scene is her walking down the street. And I'm just like, I don't see this woman stopping traffic because we get these like men falling mm -hmm. into manholes and crashing their car. I don't see it for her at all. Yeah, it's it's just forcing it it's forcing the hand too much i think of her beauty so another reason why i kind of have a problem with this film and i know it's from the late 90s and we sort of look at things through a different lens today but i would say that it's i mean we could say it's transphobic i think there is some transphobia but i th they're trying to it's like we we were moving forward in baby steps so at one point her relationship to lena bradford dj i think is very positive because well paula, that yes so yeah because paul j parker makes some offhand comment about like she can't even decide if she's a, a man or a woman well and, she goes if she's so psychic how come she doesn't know if she's a boy or a girl oh, okay well even less even more demeaning right and then jada Wu says well she's everything 
Right. So I agree. I, I, I do think for the time and for a film that was probably marketed towards urban audience, you know, I guess you could call it a black film. It's interesting that it's a white woman filmmaker. But, right. Um, I do feel like they, ha- because when we first meet Celestial, we see that she and Jada have a nice relationship, mm-hmm. like they're friends. And the idea of her even being trans is not brought up until Paula J. Parker says what you just said. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, which we'll probably get to, they end up at a bar that is specifically for trans women which i've been to bars Mm -hmm. in the late 90s like that but this one is like a full-on like night at the roxbury type club which (laughs) seemed odd and that felt problematic but we can get to it sure um did you think it was weird seeing dave ship i thought that he was acting kind of normal yeah so that was really interesting he's just a man trying to trying to get some you know from his from his woman but there's a very bizarre sex scene there's a sex scene between Dave Chappelle and Paula J. Parker where they're role playing. And like, I guess a character trait of Dave Chappelle's is that he loves chicken because we see him with a bucket of what's like, it called? It's called chicken delight, chicken delight, which is supposed to be like KFC, which is weird because then she even references KFC in the movie, but mm-hmm. they don't have KFC chicken. But he they're role playing with him playing like a he's dressed up like a he looks like a circus pimp. A circus pimp, yeah. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, if the Colonel Sanders was a pimp, and but also a magician, because he's wearing, like, a cape <laughs> yeah. and he's shirtless. And then they dress up Paula J. Parker like sexy Big Bird. Yeah. Because she's wearing, like, fe- yellow feather bikini. Yeah. But describe the best part of that scene. <laughs> uh, he wants her to play a chicken hoe. Yes, a chicken hoe. She's a chicken hoe, which... Say it again. Chicken hoe. You have never... See the movie with a chicken hoe. The fuck is a chicken hoe? For no other reason, you need to watch Woo for the chicken hoe. Yeah, it is a very fun scene because he makes her walk and you know talk. I get guess like a chicken. Do the walking. She's clucking like a whole ass chicken with her bent arms on her uh, hips, and then he makes her peck uh, nibbles of food off his little chest. He has like popcorn kernels on his chest that she is pecking off of him like a goddamn chicken. And she's doing it. You've never seen anything <laughs> like this. I mean, it's not sexy, but, but it, it's funny. It is funny. Um, okay. You know, Kingdom Come is one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. I just think the ensemble works so well. It's so silly. And I don't generally like Jada Pinkett. I do like her in Kingdom Come because she's playing like this kind of psycho housewife. Mm-hmm. I do think she does crazy eyes and crazy face very well. She does. And she did like very like erratic movements. So I think she serves the character well in that regard. Like, cause when we first see her being crazy, she's sitting at Dave and Paula's place and Dave passes her the phone and she immediately like wipes it off because of his germs. With something, <laughs> with the, something she took from her breast. With the old dirty yeah. napkin she had in her titty pocket. But I think she does that really really well she has a couple of good moments i think she does yeah um we do see tommy davidson naked and i don't know why we needed that i don't know either. it well, made no sense he's to alone the... in his apartment and he's still covering his junk though so it's like well right you you're alone in your apartment and you get naked because he's trying to change to get ready for the date that she suddenly says yes to that he didn't know was even happening but then yeah why would you cover your genitals if you're home alone and right you're walking around naked anyway but little things like that seem weird to me. I I thought he was super cute in this though. LL Cool Ladies Love Cool James is in the movie. Living he, up to his name, I guess. He plays Tommy's neighbor and he's playing like 
a Don Juan DeMarco type, mm-hmm. like hood. But I actually thought he was a really sweet neighbor because he has some very beautiful women. The woman who opens the door, because Tommy goes next door to his neighbor, LL, to say, I need help. I'm going on a date. I don't know what to do. And LL's like, don't worry, I got you. But one of his ladies opens the door. That lady was fine as hell. She should have been woo. We need a woman who looked like that. Sure. Or, so maybe that actress couldn't have brought the crazy like Jada, but you know who could have? Paula Paula J. Parker. Mm -hmm. I don't know why Paula wasn't the lead in this movie. Because Don't you think she would have been better? They were fashioning in the late 90s. Jada was being fashioned into a, a star. But even... Like in, I mean, you said the same similar things about set it off about who could play her character, but she, that was she was being the one that was positioned to assume this. I just don't, I just don't like Jada. I don't mind any, her, and I'm very familiar with her career. I just don't think that anything I've ever seen her in, I felt like it had to be her. And then even like you know, we watched the movie Sprung mm-hmm. with Paula J, and I feel like she'd be so perfect as Wu because she's sexy enough. Mm-hmm. but then that lady has crazy face down yeah but anyway but you know i i was aware of this as a kid in 98 because i was a pam greer fan and initially the trades had pam greer listed as playing woo's mother and she got cut from this film so that's why i never watched it because pam greer is not actually i think it. we I, I think we could have used some background on we could have because it takes so long to orient ourselves and what her intentions what are Wu what is her, doing yeah yeah I, yeah that's part of the problem with the script too is like like i'm very uneasy about who Wu is mm-hmm. and even in the end when she and tommy seem like they're gonna be something i still don't feel good for him like i think this lady's not right for you i think she's insane yeah, yeah. uh when she first like acts out in his apartment and breaks his mirror because she's making a scene and there's a good line about her being like sybil but uh yeah, I'm just like, this doesn't work right now. No, but I'm really quickly getting back to LL. He gives Tommy like a, a sex date kit, which is like a cassette mix or mm-hmm. a cassette tape with a mix of like R&B slow jams. And then he gives him like a little bag that has like a condom and body oils and incense. And isn't the name of it the mixtape for the panties or something? Yes, <laughs> he has a, a mixtape called for the panties. Um, but I thought he was a good neighbor. Mm-hmm. At one point, Tommy tells uh, Jada that she's as fine as frog hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is something my dad used to say. It sounds like something your dad would say. But so when she gets to his house, it seems like they're doing all right. But then immediately we see she's crazy because he tells her, like, I can't believe a woman like you doesn't have like men clamoring all over you. And she gets offended. Mm-hmm. Like, all you care about is sex. And he's trying to, like backtrack backpedal and say well i could see you as like a sister mm-hmm. and she goes oh really and then she starts acting crazy then his buddy buddies come over and saying all kinds of crazy sexist shit so then that's when she does the scene you alluded to which is like break a mirror in his house mm-hmm. because he has a fragrance that her cousin used to wear who was murdered or something, something crazy yeah. um i think one of the the first really good scene to me is when they go on their date dinner to this Italian mm-hmm. restaurant. <laughs> and she speaks fluent Italian. And she's acting so crazy. She calls a scene. She causes a scene in the restaurant where she's like, because they seat her in an awkward position where she's like under some cheap plastic plants and like a, a gold vase. And she feels like, oh, because they're black, they put them in this awful setting. So she like breaks a chandelier. The restaurant, someone catches on fire. Like, 
there's so and then she has a scene where uh, Aida Turturro, who played uh, Tony Soprano's sister. That's right. And then during the dinner, uh, like a wedding party pulls up in a limousine and she recognizes one of the bridesmaids. Tookie. And, and they have a big moment. I, th- I thought that was funny. Yeah, there again, there was some slapstick there that it reminded me, you know, if you think of, you know, no one, nothing's ever going to be better to me than bringing up baby. But that kind of level of slapstick can work. And Tommy Davidson is so like his comedic acting, I think, is very strong. Yeah, like, like like I think he's doing a lot, mm-hmm. and I think he's charming and sweet. And he is. Um, then they transition to like a salsa club. Did you notice the guy singing? Uh, I did notice him, but I didn't know who it was. Well, I didn't. I don't know who they were. They were just very attractive men with no sh- like their they shirts. They're not wearing open. any shirts. Yeah, but their lip syncing was horrible. <laughs> it was so distracting. Um, but I just think, but it's funny we're in New York because that also happens to be the same like Latin music festival that has his raggedy ass friends are at too right then they transition to a private club and it's important to know that well two things tommy um drives this like nice volvo that he's very meticulous about and they end up going to this private club that looks like it's in like on skid row and Mm -hmm. he parks in some random alley and so of course you can predict what's going to happen when they return Mm -hmm. to the car it's going to be gone which it is but another plot point is tommy's ex-girlfriend turned out to be just some gold digger who convinced him to co-sign on a car for mm-hmm. him. And then we actually see her driving it. And he co-signed on a core, a convertible Corvette for her, mm-hmm. which is a big plot point we'll get to. But they end up at this private club. And of course, Wu was acting crazy. I did want to mention, I thought the soundtrack was really good. The soundtrack's very good for this film, yeah. But at one point, because Wu gets mad at him and like walks away, a prostitute approaches Tommy, who I thought was gorgeous. She, Because she was, yeah. Um, <laughs> but then he kind of shoes her away and she gets mad. And then Tommy says, man, they would sell a pack of hair to anyone. Because <laughs> she clearly has like a long weave then on. Then he has a really weird interaction with that bartender. Yes, and I recognize the bartender. I didn't look up who he was. But I did because I thought they were trying to make him seem gay. I also wrote that I thought that the bartender was supposed to be gay. Because he's like, imagine meeting a woman and the bartender's like, mm. <laughs> He seems really invested in him, like he wants to talk to him. Yeah, and, and he's also rude to the prostitute. I did want to call, we saw this on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, no, we had to rent it, so it was on Amazon. But whoever did the captions, the use of the N-word is uh, prevalent in this film Mm -hmm. and the way it's captioned they're using a hard er and i just thought that was really interesting because that's not what these characters are saying (laughs) um oh the woman that played the prostitute whose name is crayola yes her character's name is crayola nikki gilbert nikki gilbert no nikki gilbert is from the musical group brownstone and she plays the woman at the police station oh that's right sorry no no nikki gilbert's also beautiful no that's right i forgot what was the prostitute's name she doesn't give her name. She but does. That lady though, it's is something crazy. Stunning. She's stunning. Is Buddy Lewis the bartender? Uh, I'd have to see his picture. But yes, I know who that is. I think he's on the Chappelle show. Look up his credits. But anyway, um, so then we transition. Wu and Tommy kind of like separate because he's mad and his car's been stolen. So he goes to. He goes home, and that's when his conscience appears to him. And who's playing his conscience? Billy D. Williams. Mm-hmm. And then they play it. We even get like a little sound clip from like Diana Ross and Mahogany. Mm-hmm. It's really strange. But while 
Tommy is at home being visited by Billy D. Williams. Wu has left with Tommy's raggedy ass friends, and that's when they end up at that trans bar. Right, because they're what's weird is those friends are waiting to get in because it's very the the woman at the door won't let them in. Who's gorgeous? Um, and then Wu walks up and she's like, "You guys can come in with me," which I don't even know why she does that. Uh, you know what? I was I didn't think about that until you just said it, but that's really weird that they're all that that these three guys are waiting to get into this bar, which is a bar for trans women. Yeah, and then she yeah. says, "Oh, they can come in with me," but. The woman working the door at this trans woman's bar looks, she's stunning. And mm-hmm. she kind of reminds me of Britney Spears in the Oops, I Did It Again oh, video. God. Except sure. she looks way better. The, the woman in this movie looks way better. But so Wu goes there to talk to Celestial, her best friend slash psychic. And she's telling her like, girl, I met this Virgo and he ain't shit. I don't know what to do. And Celestial's like, well, girl, I told you it's in the cards. So you just need to figure it out. But the problem is those two, those three buddies of his are with her. And one of them, I think his name is Hop. Mm-hmm. He um, meets a couple of women at the bar and, and then we see him having a gay old time. And mm-hmm. he's not realizing that these are trans women, but his two other friends do. So then, of course, there's the obligatory scene where he's like, oh, my God, you're t- like, those are men in dresses. And don't you know, haven't you seen the crying game? Yeah. Didn't you look at their Adam's apple? And then, of course, when Hop realizes that he was kissing on <clears throat> what they keep saying are men, then, of course, he's all grossed out. And I was yeah, very not, disappointed in I that. Because like Jim Carrey and Ace Ventura. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, 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 and not because I'm looking at it from 2023, but because you took the time to cast a trans woman in a role where she actually is like the friend to someone Mm -hmm. and her being trans is not a plot point, but then you, and and then you even have the main character kind of standing up for her when another character mocks her gender, but then you end it with this trans nightclub, which could have been very interesting, but we already knew where that was going. And then of course you have these three knuckleheads, like repeating that these are men in dresses and it's gross and they always have to do that thing where they like scrape their tongue after they kiss one mm-hmm. of them and again if it would have been handled if I, I almost feel like if we wouldn't have been made to feel like we respected trans people with celestial i wouldn't be as bothered but the fact that i kind of was like oh wow in the beginning like we, we actually cast a trans woman and we're not making her gender a thing mm-hmm. makes it suck more. Le- Le- the lead character is actually defensive of her. Right. Um, again, and again, like the crying game. The, oh yeah. They keep, they mentioned the crying game like three times. And it just, it just dawned on me that scene where Jim Carrey is, you know, uh, scrubbing his body. Like he's been exposed to radioactivity uh, is they're playing the crying game theme song in mm-hmm. Ace Ventura. I don't know. It's just, it's unfortunate, but very, you know, very much. Well, moving time. on after they leave the, tr- after Wu talks to Celestial, she decides she's going to go find Tommy and they find each other. And she agrees to help him find his, con- the cur- the convertible Corvette he co-signed on. And then there's kind of a funny scene where Wu tells his ex-girlfriend she's there to repossess the car. And then she steals the keys and they drive off. And the final shot of the film is the two of them in this Corvette in a parking lot dancing in the pale moonlight. So it seems like they're going to be okay. But then there's also another sort of side plot where 
we see that there's a guy in the beginning of the film who calls Wu, like Shaquem or someone. Mm -hmm. And he says, you need to meet me. And we see her call him saying, like, I'm not going to see you. And it makes it seem like that's her ex-boyfriend. And then the very end, we see that we finally meet him with her. And he, now he's engaged to the rapper Foxy Brown. Who's playing somebody named Foxy. Who's playing someone named Foxy. And they're at like a rap place. So I don't know if she was playing herself. But um, Tommy shows up. and he So he's with her and he's mad because he's like, wait. So you here hugged up on your ex-boyfriend. I thought we were going to be doing something. And then there's the reveal that it's her brother, which I actually thought was kind of interesting, except that the way she was hugging her brother seemed very intimate. Yes, her leg was up on his thigh. Didn't that seem it odd? It was odd. But but I also thought that that was a very, like, I didn't see that coming, that that was no, her brother. I so, so I kind of thought that was clever. And the reason she didn't like Foxy Brown is because she's protective of her brother. Mm -hmm. Not because she's just jealous of some other bitch or whatever. Mm. So overall, I I found this movie very amusing. Okay, this is why I thought Crayola was the prostitute. Because look at Nikki Gilbert's IMDb photo. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. So, oh, well, that's another good scene. So Nikki Gilbert, who's in the group Brownstone, which is the group that Michael Jack Jackson uh, had under his label. She plays... A, she works like at the counter of the police station and Tommy has to go in to report his car stolen <laughs> and she's just being all rude to him. She She's not even being the worst and he's obviously had a bad night, but he makes some comment and because even I said, oh, uh, can I talk to somebody who at least has had a, has a GED? <laughs> yeah, she isn't being that rude to him. She's just kind of talking on the phone and telling, but then when she actually gives him the paperwork, she's being nice she's about She's being it. helpful. But yeah. then she walks away and he's being very rude to her. So then of course she lets his ass have it. And then a very handsome police officer like, kind of tackles Tommy and tries to arrest him. Mm -hmm. But then he sees Wu and he's all like, like blinded by her beauty and says, oh, well, anything for you. Again, I don't think Jada is giving stopping traffic beauty. Yeah. So I, again, not in that hair. I do. I do think she's a beautiful woman, but that. Mm. If they would have cast a different lead to be Wu and they cut out the transphobic shit at the end, I think this could have been like a like, like a classic comedy. There, there's just such a weird thing, and it made me want to rewatch Party Girl because it's been years. Um, there, there's just a very weird zany energy to it <clears throat> that I like. Yeah, I would recommend. You know, it's uh, we had to rent it for what three ninety nine. Yeah, I, I think it's worth the three ninety nine. I, I did giggle a lot. We only have a few minutes left, though. Um, what do we have going? We're going to a oscar viewing thing yeah we're gonna see uh you know I, I, we don't have to stay till sigourney presents i'm sure i'll find it online no i i mean if we're enjoying ourselves that we can stay mm -hmm. um but we're doing that and then scream six review comes out tomorrow and then there's another oh john wick four four will release like on wednesday i think oh, okay and then uh we're watching something else big this week. Shazam. Oh, Shazam. I'm more excited for the Boston Strangler. I am too, because you know I like abnormal psych and serial killers. However, it's for Hulu. And the poster art with Keira Knightley is not making me feel like this is going to be riveting. Well, but... if anything, it'll make you want to watch the old Tony Curtis version. But I'll absolutely watch it. Uh, and then the new Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin movie. You know, I like you those old broads, uh -huh. so I'll check it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, moving on. It's called. 
Yeah. Jane made headlines recently. For what? On The View. Oh, because she said something about kill. You can't. Yeah. And it was, of course, taken out of uh, context. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't like aggressive language in general. It, I, to me, it just is divisive. Like, you can be passionate and not sure, trigger sure. people, but or inflame the situation. Oh, and you had started to watch an episode of Swarm, which I think comes out next week. We watched the pilot. Not all of it. Not all of it. I was very interested. I was just tired. And then I also wanted to stop because I wasn't taking notes. So if we're going to review the series, we should probably restart it. Starring Dominique, bring me my fish back. Her, the main character's last name is Fishback. We've seen her in things. And we were driving, I think. Yeah. And for some reason, we laughed for a long time about Fishback and Bring My Fish Back. And oh. all the way, like all the scenarios oh. where someone would utter the words, Bring My Fish Back. Oh, oh no, it's cooked just fine. Bring me my fish back. <laughs> so stupid. Uh, are you reading anything? Uh, I'm reading. I finished The Cement Garden by Ian McEwan. Now I have to watch, find a version of that film streaming somewhere. Charlotte Gainsbourg, and uh, now I'm reading "You're on an Airplane: uh, The Memoirs of Parker Posey." Do you have a quote for us? I have a quote from. I have two quotes because I like go, this song. Go ahead. Um, you guys don't want handouts; you want handbags from Chanel. What's that from? Nicki Minaj? No, it's Pat, Patty Harrison and Zua. Oh my God! <laughs> There's a song that did called "Stop Being Poor." Oh, I know that song. Yeah. And it's funny. <laughs> it's very funny. But I, because I'll listen to it while running and I always have to stop because I giggle. Say the line again. You guys don't want handouts. You want handbags from Chanel. Yeah, that is a good one. We, um, we only have like 30 seconds left. Oh, Billy Crystal. Nothing can take the sting off the world's economic problems like watching millionaires present each other golden statues. Oh, in reference to the Oscars. Snap. Ta-ta.